Good morning, everyone. How are you doing today? It's good, good, good to see you. Isn't it nice to have a warm, sunny, non-hundred-mile-an-hour wind day? Isn't it nice? you got to love Oklahoma weather. Uh, the, the one thing about Oklahoma weather is you're just going to get it all in one week, aren't you? You're going to get a whole bunch of different seasons. But I'm glad you're here today. Hey, if I'm a little bit sniffling and sneezing and whatever, it's because I'm taking cold medicine and allergy medicine at the same time. Anybody else having a little bit of sinus issues this week? So that's <laughs> it's what we deal with here. But anyway, um, I'm glad you're here. We're kicking off a brand new series called Woke, and uh, I'm just going to dive right into it. We've got a lot to cover today. Uh, sometimes our lives need divine interruption. And that's kind of the idea of what, what happens is sometimes God will bring awareness into something in our lives that needs to change. And sometimes God wants to awake something on the inside of us, grab our attention about something that he's calling us to or something about our lives that's going on that needs to change. What we're going to do is we're going to spend the next few weeks talking about people in the Bible that got wake-up calls from God. They were headed in one direction, and God said, no, I got something else that I'm going to do in your lives. And hopefully, over the next few weeks, maybe God will do that in your life about something that he's been dealing you with, with you about. Amen? Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us here today, and thank you for the opportunity to be here. I pray that you will bless us, speak to us today, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you about to get woke. Now, what do you think of when you think of that term, woke? Well, you know, depending on where you're from, you might be thinking, well, that's the past tense of wake. Uh, that, that's, that's probably the, the right phrase, but if you think of the way it's used in today's culture, it is simply, it is, it is an alert, or to be alert or be, to become aware of injustices in a society. In other words, if you're woke, you're in the know about what's going on in the culture around you. There's a few stories in the Bible that we're going to talk about, and there's a few people that God, there's a lot of stories about God waking people up in the Bible, but we're going to talk about three or four of them over the next few weeks. But I'm going to be, begin talking about how God woke Moses. And that's in Exodus, the second chapter and the 11th verse. Now, there's about 20 verses here that, that I'm going to read, but I'm not going to read all of them. I'm going to bounce around, and I'm going to just kind of read highlights so you, they might not be able to keep up with me. But just kind of listen to what I'm saying. Exodus 2 and 11 says, many years later, when Moses had grown up, let me back up just a little bit. What happened was, if you don't know the story of Moses, first of all, if you don't know the story of Moses, you can walk and watch it on TV. You can rent the movie. There's so many stories about Moses. But what happened was, his people grew up in Egyptian slavery, and God stepped into their world at that time during this, this, this time of turmoil and and uh, racial slavery and all this stuff that was going on because they were Jews and Hebrew and all that, God stepped into their world and he was about to do something in Moses' life. Where Moses was born in a time where Egypt was worried about the Hebrew and their overpopulation. So the leader of the Egyptian world, Pharaoh, said, all the male babies have to be thrown into the Nile River. So if you can imagine, millions of people going under, you know, if you had a son, that it, I mean, if, if, if you were pregnant, they didn't know whether it was a boy or a girl, all of a sudden the baby comes out, you find out that it is a boy and there is no celebration because that baby had to die. Well, Jochebed, Moses' mother, did not want it. The Bible says she looks at him and sees that he is this special baby. 
Now, I don't know what was special about Moses that made him such a wonderful, beautiful child, but I can tell you this, Moses wrote that about himself, okay? <laughs> Moses wrote that, okay? So I don't know. So anyway, there was something special, and Jochebed, the mom, she makes him this tiny baby ark, and she puts it in the Nile River, and Pharaoh's daughter goes down, takes a bath in the Nile River, and finds, this, finds Moses and, and draws him out, and then she raises him for the next, and he lives in Pharaoh's court for the next 40 years. And that's where we are right now. Many years later, when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews, and he saw how hard they were forced to work. Now, notice that Moses had never seen this before. Now, he had grown up in Egypt. He had grown up under Pharaoh's care, but he had no idea if this was going on. So for the first time, he sees this. During his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. After looking in all direction, he made sure that no one was watching. And Moses killed the Egyptian and hid his body in the sand. We'll come back to that here in just a second. When, then Moses was afraid. He was thinking, everybody knows about this. This is the, uh, uh, skip down to the 15th verse. It says, Pharaoh heard what had happened, and he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. So Moses' life takes a very different direction at this point. Go all the way down to the 21st verse. Moses begins, he begins to live, and he accepts this invitation from, what, from who would become his father-in-law, and it says he settled there with him. In time, Ruel, which uh, would, would be his father-in-law, gave Moses his daughter Zipporah to be his wife. Later, she gave birth to a son, and he named him uh, Gershom. 23rd verse. Years passed, and the king of Egypt died, but the Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery. They cried out for help, and their cry rose up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he looked down on the people of Israel, and he knew that it was time to act. Now, what we believe is Moses was about 40 years old when he kills this Egyptian taskmaster. Now, for the very first time, he saw something, and he had never become aware of this, but for the very first time, he saw this, and he did something drastic. It affected him so much that he did something. He actually makes the wrong decision. I think we miss this sometimes. I believe that God might have done something different in his life, but because he decided to kill somebody, God, be, you know, God had to do something different in his life. Think about that for a second, this overreaction to something that God might have been leading him to do. Maybe God was leading him to see this, and over time, God was going to do something in his life in order for him to peaceably take the Israelites out of Egypt. I don't know. I don't know if that's what God's plan was, but it was not... God's will that Moses commit murder here. But we find out that God wasn't through with him. Let me ask you something, or let me tell you something. You can make the wrong decision for the right reasons and miss out on what God wants to do in your life. Now, we know that ultimately God's not through with him, but for the next 40 years, it takes his life in a very, very different direction, and it costs him a lot of time. Let me say that again. You can make the wrong decision for the right reasons and miss out on a life or miss out on decades of a life that God has for you. You see something, God might be leading you to something, you act too hastily, you act too harshly, you lose your temper. How many times do we miss out by doing the wrong thing with the right intentions? How many times do we, do we miss out? Well, 
She was talking bad about me, so I blocked her on Facebook. And I blocked her on all social. In fact, I blocked her on, on everything. I blocked her entire family. And, I, and I'm, not, I'm not going to church with her anymore. In fact, I'm quitting Faith Co. Church. I'm, 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 quitting, I'm quitting serving. I'm quitting serving. I'm not serving in the coffee bar anymore. It, you know, actually, if I was imitating one of my teenage daughters, I'd be going like this, saying all that. Because somehow or another, a teenage girl can be very, very mad, look at Instagram, and vent at the same time. Have you seen this? But I've seen a lot of people make drastic decisions with their best intentions, make drastic wrong decisions that affect their lives for the next decade. We can do that. That is exactly what happened to Moses. But I want to tell you something. Maybe you felt like you've done something like that before, that in a, in a, in a hasty decision, in a moment of anger, in a moment of passion, you made the wrong decision. But I want to tell you something. In the same way that God was not finished with Moses, God is not finished with you. God is never finished with you until you die. Until you leave this life, God always has something for you on the horizon if you never let go, if you're always looking for it. God had to do something. Here's the point. Moses was awakened to something, and there was no going back. Once he experienced what was going on in his life, once he got woke, there was no going back to what God was going to do in his life. Have you ever been aware of something have you ever been made aware of something that has changed you forever? I mean, you didn't know it was happening, but then it was happening, and a lot of people knew it was happening. You didn't know it was happening. You found out about it. You experienced it, and you were like, I didn't know this was happening. I had no idea that this was a part of life. And once that happens, once you get exposed to that, once you get woke to that, there is no going back. Has that ever happened to you before? I mean, it's kind of like this. Once you know it, there's no unknowing it. You ever seen something before, and once you saw it, you were like, oh, there's no one seeing it. Have you ever experienced something that there's no going back? You ever read something, you can't unread it? You ever heard something before, and once you hear it, you cannot unhear it. It impacted you that way. Once it's done, it can't be undone. I mean, it's kind of like this. You didn't know about it, but once you, experienced, once you experienced it, it awakened something on the inside of you. Here's what happened. You got woke. And a lot of times that's God. How about this? You remember the first time you ever found out that babies don't come from storks? You remember that conversation? And I don't know how you found out or whatever. You remember that, that, that kind of, that was, that was like you just had no idea. I had that conversation when my son, when he was like 11, 11 years old, and you just got to know Baylor. Baylor is 100%, actually 100, 110% about everything in his life. He's way up here about everything. His reactions to everything is way up here. And I remember having him, having this conversation, and I was riding in my Toyota Land Cruiser, and I was talking to him on the way to school about this. And he actually looked like he was in pain. He was going, oh, ah. He was sliding down in the back of his chair, and I was telling him this. And he's like, what happens, Dad? And I was explaining that to him. It changed his life. For, for the next three weeks, he asked me questions about this. So, Dad, tell me again. He was woke to that. How about this? Do you remember the day that you got saved? 
You remember the day that you got saved? I mean, it was kind of like this. You never experienced the love of God like this before. Maybe God dealt with you as you were seated in the congregation. But there was something that you never felt. You got woke to the love of God, and it changed you forever, and there was no going back. How about this? The first time, how about the first time that you, you kissed someone? Or the first time that you feel like you, you fell in love? Or you, or you experienced love for the first time? What about, have you ever been on a mission trip, your first mission trip? I remember my first mission trip. It changed me forever. For the first time in my life, I thought, man, this is the most impactful way that I can make a difference in my life. It, was, it changed me forever. There was no going back. I tell people, listen, you have to go to Bikes for Kids. It'll change the way you, looked about, you look about serving, serving God. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, I tell, there are people when they go to Bikes for Kids, you know, they get woke. I tell people, hey, you need to get involved in ministry. You need to serve. There's nothing that impacts people like serving other people. And what happens is what changes people forever is they figure out, hey, church isn't just about me. They kind of step across the line from being fed and just, you know, coming to be served and just this is kind of my thing. They step across the line and say, hey, wait a minute. I can make a difference in the lives of other people. In the fact, when I serve people, God touches their lives and God uses me to change lives. People get woke. You know, some life experiences leave us with this feeling of, hey, this just won't do. We can't have this. I can do something about this. I can make a difference. And as we're about to read, God was doing something, and he would do something in the life of Moses. Moses was 80 years old before God would visit him again. And that's in Exodus, the third chapter in the first verse. For Moses, life was good. I mean, he, could, he made that decision, made a bad decision. When God exposed him to something that he might do, he made a bad decision. But he, he left that land. He found another place. He found a home. He found a family. God was, was, was blessing him. He had completely let go of whatever, of, of any kind of dream he would have had in Egypt. But God wasn't done with him. It says this, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And then this is where God speaks to him through a burning bush. You remember this story. The fourth verse says, when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush. Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your, take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. Skip down to the seventh verse. The Lord said to him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to lead them out of Egypt. And then he goes on to tell Moses, that I'm choosing you. And for the next few verses, and I'm not going to read them, Moses protested. He said, but, but Lord, I'm not able to go. And he says, Moses, I am with you. But Lord, I, I'm, I'm slow to speech. I, some scholars believe that he had a speech impediment or he stuttered. Lord, I can't, I, I'm going to help you. I'm going to be your voice. Lord, what if they don't believe me? Who am I going to tell them that has sent me? You tell them I am who I am, the God of their forefathers. One, uh, just moment by moment and, and one excuse after another and one protest after another, God began to deal with him. Finally, God begins to say, hey, listen, you 
go, go and call the elders together. The 16th verse says, go and call the elders together and do what I have called you to do. Now with the rest of my time here, and I just have about three things that I want to talk to you about. I want to talk about what this looked like for Moses, how God had to awaken some things in him that had laid dormant for years. What does this look like? And what, what he had to realize is some th- there were some things in his life that he could not see, that he was sleeping on in his life. Sometimes, sometimes we got to realize what God sees in order for us to do what God has called us to do. Let me back up a little bit. Let's break down his life a little bit. In Exodus 3 and 1, it says, Then the Lord said to him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people. I have heard their cries, and I am aware of their sufferings. Sometimes we wonder if God is aware of what's going on in our lives. Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever prayed about something? Have you ever prayed about something for years? Now keep in mind, this was God's very own chosen people, the Israelites. They had been praying. They had been talking about their God. They had been wondering where God had been for 300 years. Moses had great-great-grandparents that had died in Egyptian slavery. People were wondering where God was. But God says, "I I see it, I hear it, and I am aware of what's going on. But here's what's, going, here's what's happening. God had to raise up somebody to do his work. Remember this. Anytime God gets ready to step into this earth and do something incredible, he always chooses a man or he chooses a woman. Remember that. God does not just step in, show himself to everyone. He always chooses somebody. A lot of times the reason, a lot of times the reason that, 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 that something is not being done is somebody has not stepped forward. God sees, he knows, he cares, he is aware, but sometimes God is waiting on us. And here's what this looked like for Moses. God had to make him aware of something that he didn't see. Now Moses was aware that there were people, his people were in slavery, but what he was not aware of was it was his job to do something about it. How many times do we see something that's going on and think to ourselves, somebody should do something about that? That's what Moses was trying to talk God into. God, I know, I know all about. You don't have to, you don't have to make me aware of what's going on in Egypt, but you need to get somebody to do that. And God's like, I know, I'm choosing you. No, God, you got the wrong person. I, I don't, that is not in my spiritual gifting. I didn't score high in leadership on the spiritual gifting test. That's not my thing. But what God had to do is God had to wake up Moses to the fact that he was called and God had invested in his life. So here's what it looked like for Moses. Number one, God had to show him that Moses was gifted to make a difference. Moses was gifted for what God had called him to do. I want you to realize that God has gifted us for what he calls us and what he asks and leads us to do. In Ephesians 4 and 8, it says, when he ascended to heaven, he gave, this is talking about the Lord, he gave gifts to his people. God doesn't just choose us to make a difference, but God gifts us to make a difference. The very fact that Moses survived this genocide 40 years previously was the fact that God had gifted him. God had given him a gift. God had protected him because God had a major purpose for his life. There probably wasn't a lot of 40-year-old males walking around. There wasn't a lot of Hebrews that age because of what had happened 40 years previously. 
But there was something unique about Moses, and that was his gifting. Let me ask you a question. How has God gifted you to make a difference? How are you gifted? What makes you different than most people that are around you? My kids grown up, grown up pastor's kids, and when you're a pastor's kid, your life is very, very different. For years, my kids have asked me, Dad, why are we so different? Why, why are we different from other people? And I've had to invest time in them to explain to them, but God has made you and your family a little bit different. Now, there's a difference in being different and being strange. <laughs> there's a difference between being different and weird. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the giftedness that God has put in you. How can you make a difference in the world with your gifting? A lot of times we over-spiritualize this. You know, they're the people on stage or the people that work in ministry, the people that are called, those people that are called, you know, that we're all called. You agree with that? We are all called. Sometimes we over-spiritualize that. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10 and 31, whatever you do, do that for the glory of God. Whatever you do, wherever you go and wherever and whatever you decide to do with your life, whatever you're gifted to do, you have a gifting that I can't come close to doing. You have a gifting about your life and a uniqueness in your gifting. Whatever it is, God has called you in your uniqueness to use for his glory. If you believe that, say amen. Number two, Moses had to see that not only was he gifted, he was trained to make a difference. In Exodus 2 and 10, it says, When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son, and she named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. One of the things that made Moses unique and well-equipped to do what he would do when he was 80 years old was the fact that he was drawn out of slavery. Now, Pharaoh's daughter just said, well, I, I, she said, I, because I drew him out of the water, his name is Moses, which means to be drawn out. But that was actually prophetic. Because God drew him out of slavery and put him into Pharaoh's court in order to train him to be a world leader. Can you see how important, if he was going to lead three million plus people when he was 80 years old, can you see that he had to have a, a different mentality than somebody that had been making bricks and mortar and been beaten for, for, for 80 years? And it wasn't that, that he was better than his brothers. It was that God needed to draw somebody out and make them think differently in order to lead these people. I think that that's very interesting. Now, here's the deal. He spent 40 years in Pharaoh's house. This would train him to lead people. But he spent the next 40 years serving Jethro as a shepherd and serving his house. This taught him to serve people. He learned to lead people from a world-class stage, and he learned to serve people in somebody's home. He was a leader, and he was a servant leader. And when you, when you read what Moses had to go through to lead God's people, you would think to yourself, and there were actual times, if you read this, this is, this is a mystery to me, but Moses actually talks God out of killing his own people. It, it, Moses is referred to as a friend of God. He was a different kind of person, but you see that God used him in different environments in his life for this. There was no one more capable than Moses to lead millions of stubborn, rebellious Israelites than Moses. And it's almost like that all this was done on purpose 
to invest in his life. Here's a question. As you look back on your life, where have you invested your life, your time in your life, and where did you seem to be given opportunities that others might not have had? Because we can see that in Moses' life. Where, where have you invested in your life, your training, and where did you, where did you seem to get opportunities? You, you see, a lot of times we think to ourselves, well, well I just got lucky. Or I just kind of stumbled onto this. No, my friend, you serve God and you put your life in God's hands. And when you did that, your life became predetermined. Your life is already predetermined, but when you give your life to him, you put your life in his hands and you begin to say yes to God's will in your life. A lot of times we think we, you know, we stumble onto the will of God. I just kind of stumble onto this. No, my friend, the Bible says The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. You don't stumble into destiny. You step into destiny. Amen? So that's what happens when we give our lives to God. There are no coincidences. They are called divine appointments. Yeah, yeah, you got to wake up in the morning. You got to show up for the interview. You got to train. You know what I'm saying? You got to eat breath mints, right? You're going to have opportunities, but God is going to put those opportunities in your life. That's why he wants to, that's why you need to get woke this morning, because God's got some opportunities for you. He's got some divine appointments, because you are God's son. You are God's daughter. There are no coincidences in your life. Amen? So what are you trained for? The whole time Moses was training, the whole time, God was training Moses in this time that even when he was on the backside of the mountain because he wanted his life to make a difference, God is training you. Maybe this is a time in your life where God is training you to make a difference. Lastly, and most important, Moses had to be willing to make a difference. He was gifted to make a difference, trained to make a difference, but most of all, he had to be willing. You know, at some point in your life, when you figure out that God has blessed you, invested in you, that God has, has, as you begin to figure this out, as you begin to see that God had his plan and he had his, 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 his hand in your life throughout your life, that there were times and there were opportunities that maybe you missed, but there were other things that happened that you thought, man, God had his hand in my life, that God protected me. Man, I, I just, I, you felt like you were at the right place at the right time, but you actually, at the end of the day, you figured out that God was in this for you. As you begin to see that, and as Moses began to see this, at some point, you got to say yes. Yes to what God is leading you to do. Exodus 4 and 20 says, Moses took his wife and his sons and put them in his ride, in his minivan, in his donkey. Today it would be a minivan. And he headed back to the land of Egypt. And in his hand, I like this, he carried the staff of God. Now in those days, a staff might be a, a six-foot rod or, you know, a big wooden stick, if you will. They used it to help walk, but they'd also, you know, get the sheep back, and it, you know, it would just, you know, they might hit a, a wolf with it or something like that, but Moses needed to know that God was with him, so God performed a sign. He said, throw your, throw your staff on the ground, and he performed this sign that, you know, threw him in, 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 to remind him that he was always with him. He carried this staff, this staff that he would use in the future. And there was no power in the staff. It was just a reminder that God was with him. God told him, he said, stretch out your staff 
and the, 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 the plagues would go out through Egypt. Stretch out your staff and the waters, the Red Sea parted. Point your staff towards the rock and water would come from it. God would use this to remind him that he was always with him. Today, we really don't need to walk. If you were walking around with a staff, you know, that would look kind of weird. You don't need that, but you have something else. First of all, you have the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of you that reminds you that God is always with you. And second of all, you have the Word of God that we, that we read that, that reminds us and the Spirit of God reminds us about the Word of God that God, is, that God is always with us. Moses didn't have a Bible. I mean, he wrote the first, the first books of the Bible, so he, had, he didn't have that, but he had the Word of God, but God gave him a staff to remind him, listen, God is with you. The Holy Spirit is on the inside of you to quicken your heart, to remind you, and, and to protect you, and, 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 to, and to share with you, and to impart things in you to remind you that he is always with you. But it's up to you to say yes. Moses three or four times tried to talk God out of choosing him. But finally God performed this sign in his life. But Moses had to say yes. I want to close with this. I want to ask you a question. What needs to be awakened in your life? Is there something. It's, I mean a lot of times our lives aren't so different. I mean. A difference of 4,000 years, but our lives aren't so different than people in Scripture. Is there something in your life that God dealt with you years ago that in a moment of weakness or a moment of passion or in a moment of anger or sin that you had to let go of, that you blew it? And since then, it's been years, but you let go of that. That's not for me anymore. This is the life that God has for me. That's, that's not for me. Do you know that 40 years went by before God dealt with Moses again? And I bet you, I bet you Moses thought that God was finished with him. A lot of times that's what we think when we do something wrong. I mean, we start out on this path for God that this is, that God has called me to do. This is where I'm headed. Then we go through something. Then we think God is through with me. We go through sin, we go through lust, we go through a divorce, we go through a, a split in relationship or friends, or we, go, we sin, we walk away from God, we think God's through with us. But let me tell you something, as long as you are alive, God is not through with you. Well, Travis, you don't know what I've done. Did you hear what Moses did? He committed murder. Time passed. Let me tell you something, you might have to live some things down. You ever felt like that? Man, I'm going to have to live this down. You might have to do that. If you blow it really bad, you might have to let some years pass. But I want to tell you something. God is never finished with you. And you would think that if somebody like Moses, if God was going to use him to lead millions of people, that what he did was so wrong that God would never use him. God says, I'm not through with you. In fact, the time that you're going to spend, away, I'm going to teach you how to serve people. You've learned how to lead people. Now for the next 40 years, I'm going to show you how to serve people. You're going to hang out with sheep for the next 40 years who can't even take care of themselves. Well, I want to tell you something. Maybe you've put some time in between God's calling or God's original plan for your life. And you think, man, I don't know. I want to tell you something. God will use that time. And God has used this time to invest in you what he wants to do. But you still, you just got to say yes.
So I want to encourage you today to say yes to what God is leading you and awakening in your spirit today. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us today. And thank you, Lord, for awakening our hearts to maybe something that we have let go of in our past. What I'm thankful for today, Lord, is you never let go of us and you're never through with us. Even if we let go, you're not done with us. So I pray, Lord, that you will speak to every person today, wherever we are, whatever needs to be done, confront us and change us wherever it needs to take place in the name of Jesus. As your heads are bowed, I want to pray a couple of prayers. The first prayer is if you're here today and you live for God, he is Lord and your Savior, but you feel like you blew it in your past and you've had to let go of something that you feel like God has called you, whether, whether it be a, a dream, whether it be a task, whether it be a job offer, whether it be, whether, I don't know. I can tell you that wherever you are, that God is not through with you. And I want to declare that on your life right now. And as we're about to pray, I want you to believe that. I want you to believe that. Let's just all pray together. Lord, I thank you, God, for everybody that's here. And I thank you for everybody that you're speaking to. And whatever you're saying to people individually right now, I pray that we will receive it. And we will begin to be awakened in our hearts to what, what you want us to receive. And maybe for us years ago, we had to let go of something because of something that we've done. That today I believe that you're stirring people and you are awakening something in our lives, God, that, to let us know that you're not done with us. No matter what we've done, you're not done with us. You're going to use that for our advantage if we will just say yes. So we say yes today. In the name of Jesus, if you receive that, say amen. If you'll continue to bow your heads, I want to pray one more prayer. If you're here and you don't know Jesus and he's not Lord and Savior of your life, for whatever reason, maybe you say, Travis, I have never given my life to Jesus. I have never said, Jesus, be Lord and Savior of my life. Or maybe for you, is, for you your story is you walked away from God at some point in your life. And today you want to make things right. For whatever reason... You know you're not right with God, and you want to be right with God, and you just want to pray about that. I'd love to lead you in a prayer. In order for me to pray this prayer, I want to know that I'm praying for people. So with nobody looking around, just between you, me, and God, and let me say this, I won't, I won't ask you to stand, I won't single you out, I won't do anything weird, and you won't have, you just sit, sit right where you're seated, and we pray here in just a second. If you say, Travis, that's me, I want to be right with God today. Just real quickly, put your hand up and put it down. I see your hand right over here, just to let me know. That's me, Travis. I'm going to give my life to Christ today. Anybody else before we pray? I'll just ask one more time, then we're going to move on. Anybody else? That's me, Travis. I'm going to give my life to Christ. I'm going to rededicate my life to Christ, and I'm serious about it. I see your hand. I see your hand right there. Okay. All right, let's pray, and as we pray, I want you to say this prayer out loud with us. The entire church is going to pray together. Give your life to Christ. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, as I'm before you today, I give you my life. And Jesus, I ask you to be Lord and Savior of my life. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins and wash me clean and whole. And from this moment on, 
I commit my life to you. I believe in you, Jesus, that you died for me and rose from the dead. And I will serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, guys, let's celebrate.